practicing the mental game for me is is really really big um and i think that's one of the kind of one of the powers that i've got uh that makes me pretty decent at riding my fat bike in the winter or just like any endurance event um like being able to kind of roll with the punches be flexible uh i think through all the different scenarios so like if my bike were to break how would i fix it if it gets really cold, how would I make myself warmer? So like on a lot of like bike rides as I'm practicing or training for something like this, um, we'll go for a bike ride and we'll start a fire. Um, I'll practice melting snow. I'll practice fixing a flat, um, working on my bike. And and that kind of gives me like this like mental confidence to go out there and, and do it. Um, just because I, I know at times I'm going to get lonely or I'm going to get in my head and it's going to get dark. Um, and so I just kind of try to fight it by repeating positive things in my head, um, by envisioning myself like getting to the end and just being okay with, with the fact that things are going to suck out there for a hot minute yeah. <laughs> and then it'll be all right. KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I am your host, Trevor, and on this episode, Jill Martindale joins the pod to talk all about the Arrowhead 135, the winter ultra bike ski snowshoe race out of northern Minnesota, um, Jill is no stranger to the Arrowhead, and um, as she explains later, she has competed um, in this race five times in the past, and she holds a course record, and uh, this year she took the win in the women's unsupported category. Uh, we will get into those details, uh, the details about the frigid cold temps and the gear in just about a second, uh, but before we do... I'm not quite sure where you all are listening from, but uh, here in Michigan, our winter has been extremely up and down, more than usual. Um, we've had some good snowstorms, uh, but they've all seemed to be followed by some pretty high temperatures, so the snow didn't really stick around too long. Um, that being said... I, along with many others in this area, did have a couple good chances to go and race fat bikes, and I went up to Canadian Lakes and checked out the Snow Angel fat bike race. Uh, the course kind of goes around St. Ives Golf Course up there. Um, uh, this is the second year of Snow Angel, and I really wanted to uh, see what it was all about. And it was definitely a challenging course, but a super fun event, and um, I quickly had a chance to talk with race organizer Chad Mills after the event, so um, yeah, let's check that out right now. 
Chad, first of all, um, I think we need to say happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. So, like, it couldn't work out. Did you intentionally create a race that was around your birthday so you could celebrate your birthday with all of your, like, uh, I don't know, a couple hundred of your, your best friends? So I just wanted to do the race, and my buddy was like, well, when do you need to do it? I said, we're going to do it in February sometime. And he said, well, this is a no-brainer. I go, what? He goes, happy birthday. The race is on your birthday. So last year was one day away. Today was exactly on it, and we're going to just continue it. That's that. Uh, <laughs> what a great way to celebrate a birthday for sure. So uh, as you said, this is the second year for Snow Angel? Yeah, second year, yep. And um, is this kind of your brainchild? Yeah, so this is where my training grounds are. I just play out here on my bikes all the time, training for Margie Gessick, all those dumb races that we all love to do. And um, the more I trained out here, I just kept thinking, why don't I have more people come and uh, enjoy the same stuff that I like, see if they do. And uh, I told my buddies I'd like to turn this into a race, and that within one day they knew enough people that they told me it's 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 happening. So... Uh, with the work of my friends, this I came up with it, but there, there, I had a lot of help that made it happen. So, yeah, and <clears throat> I'm glad I got to experience it this year. I know it was a big success last year. Um, I got to tell you, it kicked my ass, <laughs> and people were talking about the hills and. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, there's hills, but it's a golf course. Like, how bad can it be, buddy? Well, holy moly. You come here in the summertime, and if you look at the, the top of the hill, of the first hill that you guys climb about one-tenth of a mile out, the blacktop is burnt for a reason because a golf cart caught on fire trying to climb it. So <laughs> it, it surprises a lot of people when you tell them it's just a golf course. Yeah, it was, it was good stuff for sure. And it's a different race than some other uh, fat bike races. It's not like single track necessarily. It's fast, um, but there are, it was a little more technical than I thought, um, just depending on the snow conditions, but uh, I think we had pretty good conditions. Are you, how happy are you that there's actually snow yeah, this so weekend? I'm very happy. So two weeks ago, uh, right before I had shoulder, shoulder surgery, I was thinking, we're going to do this on pavement, which would have been okay too. I'd just add more laps, do it on the, on the paved course here at St. Ives. As soon as I am one of the main the main groomers here has surgery we get dumped on with about 10 or 12 inches of snow and i'm looking at all my buddies going all right i need some help out here so yeah we were very happy we got the snow we did so we could do the full course not a altered version and uh worked out great yeah um real quick tell me about the angels of action uh, yeah, so uh nonprofit that you're angels of action they started out uh, about 14 years ago with 25 kids. They're up, they're up to 1,500 kids now. Um, it's a food, um, back, uh, backpacking, all the stuff to help all these kids with around three different Osceola, Nuego, and um, Macosta County. Um, and that's what we wanted this entire race to be about was the raising money for those kids. Yeah. Do you have an idea of how much you raised last year? I don't. I've actually never asked Joni. Okay. I, uh, I'm not a numbers guy, really, okay. so I'm, I, I've, I've never asked. So I, this is getting bigger, which is helping them more. And yeah, maybe I should look into that. Yeah, it's, yeah. I just just curious, but it's it's cool to see, um, you know, races that uh, are themed with, are, are like 
partnered with a nonprofit. It's yeah. it's very cool, and um, it's kind of in the name Snow Angel as yeah. well, so it works really well. So um, yeah, man, great great time. We're we're having beers right now at like a founders founders sponsored here too, and uh, yeah, St. Ives Golf Course. It's it's a great. Uh, great day. Turned out great. It, so, it, it uh, turned into con- a great day. Congrats, man. Thank you for coming, Trevor. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I'm super happy that I made, my, made the way out here. So thanks, Thank Chad. You. Thank you. And um, while we are on the subject of fat bike races in Michigan, I am recording this a couple days before the polar roll takes place which is of course the very popular fat bike race out of ishpeming michigan in the up and yeah i won't be able to be there this year i did it last year and it is just such a amazing event good luck to all of you who are taking part in that uh race whether it's the mass start version or the ultra event which is um going on for the first time this year which uh actually jill and i talk a little bit about as well because she will be taking part in that um and she will be ready because of the experiences she has had at events like arrowhead 135 So let's get right to that conversation with Jill Martindale and the Arrowhead 135. Shouldn't you be heading up north, like, right now? (laughs) I will be um, heading up tomorrow um, to the UP for the Polar and when when does your uh event start um so i've got a little bit of wiggle room um and the opportunity to get a lot of my gear kind of dialed in over the next couple of days up there but the polar roll ultra takes off at 7 a.m on monday so i've got some time okay so you'll be up there cheering on people and and whatnot yeah, the plan is to get up there Friday night, um, kind of get settled in so that Saturday I can check in the, check in at the start, cheer some people on, cheer on some friends, um, and then hop on my bike and kind of ride around a little bit, maybe see some of the course or help out at an aid station or something. Have you been checking the weather like crazy? Because, I mean, I I think I just saw that the UP200 is not is canceled because of the weather. Is that, did you see that? Yeah. I did. I was super disappointed to see that that was canceled because I was really hoping to see some of the dogs oh. and to see the start on Saturday night. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, but I think the snow up there, um, I think they still have a really good snow base, but the weather has kind of called for um, a lot of icier conditions. And so when you've got the dogs and the sleds going over top of um, possible dirt and over a bunch of icy stretches i think it becomes really dangerous and could like break sleds and the dogs don't really like ice so i think it it was a smart decision to cancel the up 200 but definitely a disappointment yeah and it'll be interesting biking conditions as well but i think that all remains to be mm-hmm. seen um how the how the groomed 
trails are. And I mean, I know people that are now looking like making sure they have studded tires and all of that. So yeah, it'll be interesting for the mass start. And then especially for the, uh, um, it looks like it'll be cold though, right? It'll be, it's not going to be like super warm and, um, melting a lot. I, f- I feel like you will be, uh, like uh, encountering some ice for sure. Yeah. Especially on some of the like seasonal road, um, oh, yeah. or gravel kind of sections. On. Um, yeah, it looks like a high for Monday is like a 23 for the Marquette area. So in low spots around there, it might be a little lower or in the morning or the evening, um, later on when the sun goes down, I think it'll be pretty, at least I'm hoping for pretty fast, uh, rolling conditions out there. What's the distance? Like one thirty something? One. Um, yeah, I think just shy of 140 miles. Okay. Um, and it should be, I want to say just under like 8,000 feet of climbing. Holy moly. That's, that's, that's decent. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, so we're not here to talk about polar roll, even though it's awesome and it hasn't even happened yet. So, uh, but we're here to talk about Arrowhead 135, but before we do that, I do want to, uh, just quickly say that we both raced in a short little, uh, fat bike race a couple weeks ago. Um, the, and this was like right on the heels of Arrowhead for you. And then you turned around and you did snow angel, which is in the Canadian lakes area in Michigan. Um, how did that feel on the, on the heels of, of, uh, Arrowhead? I think I had been home for about two days at the time. So I was on, I was still on a bike that had a rear rack, which I felt pretty silly letting the race on. Um, especially because what? three laps. It was like 24 miles yep. for that. Yep. Um, some of those hills were really punchy and they definitely took my breath away. Um, my legs felt pretty heavy and pretty tired, but it was just really fun to have um, relatively warmer conditions. And it was my dad's birthday. So it was really, really fun um, to line up and do a race that he was at as well. My mom and sister came out Um and we got my dad and then Chad Mills, who uh, is one of the race directors for the Snow Angel. It was his birthday as well. Um, so Little Mermaid Cake. And we got to sing happy birthday to them. Um, actually twice, because the first happy birthday, my dad was outside of the clubhouse. So he didn't get to hear everybody sing it for him. So <laughs> we made everybody sing happy birthday again a little bit later. Um, and I think my dad really liked that. That's cool. So even though I was... Yeah, no, it was fun. Um, I was pretty tired, and it would have been nice to maybe do some laundry um, and kind of put some of my bike explosion away. But it was it was cool to be out there, and it was a really fun event. Yeah, um, is it? And I think it went well for you too, right? It was good. Yeah, I mean, I I, I rocked the forty five pound uh, heavy muckluck and you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I don't really have like a fat bike racing setup. I just have a, like a, a fat bike to just do everything. So it was, it was a good time. Um, it was, you know, this is only yeah. the second year and I know the first year was a success and I want to check it out this year. And I know Chad mills pretty well and, um, wanted to check out his race and it was cool. It was definitely like, um, it was just a fun local fat bike race that, and we had snow and it was a, it was a good time. And 
I'm guessing, Jill, a totally different experience than Arrowhead. So completely different. Um, people all along the course with fireball hand-ups, <laughs> um, cheering you, bright sun, um, pretty warm. I think a lot of a lot of racers wore like thermal jerseys, so it wasn't in the deep negative. Um, yeah, it was entirely different, um, but just as good. Both of them are good. I, li- I like both of those different styles. So let's talk about Arrowhead a little bit. I'm not super fam- familiar with it. Um, I know it's in Minnesota. I know it's pretty dang long. And this year, it seemed like it was super cold. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your history with it? Because I believe you've raced it several times now, right? Yeah. Um, so I've gone out to take the line at Arrowhead five different times. Um, this year was my third finish. And I think that's kind of a great testament as to um, one of the reasons why I love winter racing so much is because the conditions change every year. So even if it is the same course, if it's a different temperature, if there's a different amount of snowfall, um, it's just a, a new animal every time you take it on. Um, it's never going to be the same ever, which is pretty cool. Um, so this year it was really, really cold. Um, and I was racing it unsupported, which means I'm not allowed to go inside of any of the checkpoints. I'm not allowed to go inside anywhere or take help from anybody that you meet along the course. Um, so Arrowhead 135 is a self-supported race um, overall where you, you have to carry everything that you need um, in order to get to the finish. So there's a big list of required gear um, and they take you through gear check, which is like pretty serious. Like I did not have insulated mittens um, at gear check and I thought my 45 North um, Sternfist threes would be fine, but the recommended gear says specifically insulated mittens. So I had to go out to the store and buy myself a pair of insulated mittens. Um, so they're very, they take it seriously and it's for the safety of the racers, you know? Um, but anyways, the, the regular category, you are allowed to go inside of Mel Georges, uh, which is the tech point halfway through. And it's really great. They make grilled cheeses, they have soups, um, dryers, bathrooms, all the great luxurious things that you want. Um, and so my first two times out of Arrowhead, I finished it in the regular category. Um, and the second time I finished Arrowhead, uh, snow conditions were perfect. The weather was great. Everything was dialed. And I wound up setting the women's course record in 2017. Uh, so 16 hours and 40 minutes is how lightning quick I was able to be on the course out there. Um, so that was a great year. And then I decided, well, I set the course record. So now I want to race it unsupported. <laughs> it's really hard to go from being really fast and like setting a course record to um, having to be patient and um, taking care of yourself out there because I kept going fast. Like the first time I raced unsupported, I got um, caught up in the pace line kind of at the start and I started going really fast. And then um, when you get to the first checkpoint gateway, uh, after gateway is when a lot of the hills start to start on the course. And so it's a lot harder to stay with a group of people and to hang on to a, a wheel. 
Um, so I completely got dropped. And next thing I know, I'm completely sweaty. Uh, my feet are cold. I can't get them to warm up, even if I'm trying to trying to walk. Um, so by the time I made it to Mel George's, I looked inside of the cabin there and saw some friends, like all cozy <laughs> up. <laughs> the warm glow of the cabin. <laughs> and so I just, you know, the, the first year I just went in and and called it. And then the second time that I tried to race it unsupported, uh, kind of the same thing happened. I went out too fast. I got sweaty. I put myself in a hole and I wasn't, I didn't trust myself um, to be able to dig out of that hole. So rather than risk uh, like long-term issues um, and risking frostbite, uh, because International Falls is known as the Ice Box of America, um, I called it the second time too. Um, and then I I went out and I did arrowhead or not arrowhead. I went out and I did, um, I did a rod and, um, then the pandemic hit. And so I've been doing a lot more kind of self-supported, uh, camping and winter bike packing. Um, and I just have gotten so much more used to being on my own and digging out of my own holes. Um, so this year when I went out for the arrowhead 135 racing it unsupported, um, I just took my sweet time and, uh, rode at my own pace, even though uh, Evan, Simula, and our friend Jake, they were about two miles ahead of me, like the entire time. <laughs> like, <laughs> every time I'd get to a checkpoint um, or a road crossing, somebody would say like, Evan and Jake are like a half an hour ahead of you. Um, but I couldn't find uh, the desire to want to go faster um, because it was like negative 30, negative 40, really really cold um i did not want to put myself at risk for frostbite or anything like that so i just kind of kept chugging along and when i finally made it to the third checkpoint about a mile 110 uh evan and jake were still there there was a fire that we were allowed to warm up next to and i had to do a couple double takes because i i didn't believe that they were there <laughs> i thought they were just still gonna be like a half an hour ahead of me like all <sighs> all the ride um <laughs> so i was pretty happy to find them and we decided that the three of us were going to ride in together and finish um so that was pretty great and really really neat to be able to finish with them uh evan had dnf in the unsupported category twice as well so it was like super sweet to be able to ride in uh to finish with him um and then jake was on a fat bike single speed uh which is incredible so it was really great just having those two as companions for that last batch. What, uh, so yeah, how long were you able to ride with them at the, at the end? Yep. So, um, we left the third checkpoint together and stuck together the entire time. Um, so that last stretch is about 25 miles. Oh, that's, that's great to have. I mean, like not necessarily a carrot at the beginning, but you knew they were up there and then, yeah, to have, have some riding buddies to, uh, to finish up with, there's a lot of, okay. There's a, <laughs> this is amazing. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of things that I, I have a couple questions. Like you mentioned cold yeah. and then you like quickly breezed by negative 30. So like what? Yeah. Like how <laughs> freaking cold was it? Jill? <laughs> it was the coldest. <laughs> it, was, it was so cold. Um, no, it was, it was pretty wild. Um, so usually like Arrowhead, you can expect like 
you can expect really cold temperatures. Um, and sometimes it'll kind of hover around zero or dip slightly into the negatives. Um, but this year at the start, it was like negative 20. There was a negative wind chill um, and it just stayed below negative 20 the entire time that we were out there. Um, and so it was really crazy because everything frosted up. Um, people's hubs were seizing or exploding. Um, bottom brackets oh were giving riders a lot of like heavy resistance. Uh, that grease freezes up in temperatures that are that consistently cold. Um, so like all the fabric uh, of your bags, everything is just kind of like super worked in those temps. Like Dan, uh, my husband, he was out kind of cheering along and at different um, like road crossings and uh, taking some pictures and stuff. And he was saying like he was watching uh, some of the fabric glue that was holding people's frame bags together was just kind of failing uh, and freezing. Oh and zippers were not working anymore. Um, it was really wild. I've never experienced a cold so consistent like that. And so like I was sweating a little bit. Um, and so like I got this giant chin icicle, which is like so gross. Like the picture of it makes me kind of gag a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so it's, the, like ice, so it's like an wet. ice beard, but um uh, oh god it was like this weird rule sickle like on my chin and i could feel it in my buff and i kept trying to like break it it was uh yeah it was cold um but yeah it was crazy because normally as, as you sweat at least some of it evaporates but everything was just turning into ice, ice uh, yeah. so i had ice yeah ice everywhere like i had to chip ice off of like my pants by my hips a couple of times um it was very frosty out there. Um, and so like kind of zaps you a little bit more like the cold makes you just kind of sleepy, which I think is oh, man. <laughs> how people die in the cold. Right. Yeah. Um, so you have to be very intentional. I kind of felt like I was moving like a chameleon, like very slow, very intentional. Um, try not to make a mistake. Try not to get too sweaty. Uh, yeah. yeah. For a, for a year, <laughs> to not go out too quick and not get sweaty. I mean, I think that, you know, it's, you're, you're pretty fortunate that you learned those lessons earlier to be able to like apply them on one of the coldest years that, uh, the races has, has gone on. Um, yeah. I really, I, I love how you set up this year's race, um, and talked about your previous races um, from uh, setting the course record to attempting the unsupported because it, it just it shows like how important um, well trial and error or error and trial or, or whatever um, and and then learning the, the correct and safe way to do some of these races and um, I don't know if people that like myself that don't do unsupported uh, bike packing, um, especially like cold weather, like how important these lessons are and how important being prepared, whether that's um, pacing or gear. Um, so to hear you talk about that, I think it's really interesting for me to, to listen to. Um, you mentioned some, like you mentioned the, the, the mittens. I have to ask you, like, what are inflated mittens? 
So um, it's actually really funny that this happened at Arrowhead because uh, there is there was some chatter in the Polar Roll Facebook group okay. of people wondering about needed mittens. I thought as I well. saw this too, and They're, I was pretty confused. I was like, "What? Why do people need mittens now? I don't I don't get it." <laughs> Todd Todd I think was uh, dubbing it Mitten Gate, <laughs> which is really fun. Um, so an insulated mitten is uh, basically just a mitten. So all four of your fingers have to be on the buddy system together with your thumb kind of by itself. And the reason why they do an insulated mitten at Arrowhead is because um, if you have to be evacuated from the course and you have to hop on a snow machine, those mittens are going to save your hands best uh, from getting frostbite, like when you're holding on to a snow machine uh, in the cold just because that buddy system in your fingers kind of helps to keep them a little bit warmer or you can shove like a hand warmer in there. So the mittens aren't necessarily for riding. It's kind of like a, like an oh shit item. Um, like if you are in dire need of help, um, it's going to help preserve your, your digits. Uh, so Ken, uh, the race director of the Arrowhead 135, I was chatting with him afterwards and he was like you know what you know what you're doing i feel okay with you using your 45 north gloves um you've been in the cold before like you're good but this is for the safety of the other participants out there um and so i i went out and i bought the mittens because i was like yeah ken's right and plus like um a big part of the recommended gear list is is that it should be like no questions like this is the gear that you need for survival and for your safety. And so I just wanted to make sure that I was following all of the rules um, as best or a hundred percent, you know? Um, but yeah, I think the mitten idea is to kind of try to save your fingers. Like if you're out there and you're already starting to get frostbitten, you don't want to lose those digits. Yeah. Um, and, and Ken has seen it all. Like he's driven people to the hospital just with awful, disgusting frostbite and, and so if he's going to tell me insulated mittens, I'm going to wear them <laughs> or I'm going to take them and pack them. Um, and then for the polar roll, uh, Todd grabbed the recommended gear list um, from the arrowhead for polar roll. And so um, I don't know if somebody heard uh, about me going to go buy new gloves uh, at the race start of arrowhead and, and asked Todd about it, but um, it's, it sounds like a lot of the ultra racers, um, didn't have like specific mitten mittens. Um, so it sounds like a lot of people had to go out and grab some or borrow some from friends. Gotcha. And is the inflated just like, so you have a barrier, like an air pocket barrier between, oh. between your hand <laughs> and the, and the cold. So it's a little warmer that way. Or what's the inflated part uh, of it? I meant insulated, and, not inflated. I'm oh sorry. my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like water wings no, well i thought sorry, they were insulated. like a, you know like in case yeah in case you fell in the water or something and they float yes that too so this yeah so now everyone for polaro is gonna go try to find inflated mittens <laughs> which don't exist apparently <laughs> insulated okay yeah we cleared that up for <laughs> uh for one of Todd's like events, though, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put water crossings past him. 
Oh, man. Okay. I'm glad we cleared that up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so uh, besides insulated mittens, um, were there a couple other things on the um, mandatory gear list that um, – well, that you f you find super important for adventures like this, or that you would um, especially recommend people have for ultra endurance uh, adventures. Yeah. Um, so the the same idea as the insulated mittens. <laughs> <laughs> if you are <laughs> if you're if you're in a pinch um, and you do have to wait for somebody to come and get you. Um, other gear items on the arrowhead list and polar roll list um, for the ultra negative 20 degree sleeping bag, um, a bivy, an insulated sleeping pad. Um, you've got to finish with 3000 calories. Uh, wow. So like if you essentially, if you do have to hole up and wait for somebody to come and scoop you up off the route, um, 3,000 calories is about a day's worth of calories. So they want you to be able to be out there for a day, be able to keep your warmth up and your energy up and pull up in a sleeping bag and eat a jar of peanut butter and wait for people to come and get you. Um, but then also safety, uh, safety-wise, aside from being warm enough and protecting yourself from frostbite, um, you've got to have a taillight on the back of your bike that's on at all times, uh, red light up front. You've got to have a headlight that's on at all times um, and 10 square inches of reflective gear. So those items are to help to keep you safe from the snowmobiles that are out on the course. Uh, Arrowhead is entirely on a snowmobile trail um, and those snowmobiles get going very, very fast um, and there's some turns and so it can get dangerous out there. Um, so we've got to follow like, you know, these rules and make sure that we're safe and nice and bright and the snowmobiles can see us at all hours of the day. Um, especially if they're out there cruising from international falls to the casino at Fortune Bay. Um, there's a lot of snowmobile traffic that travels around going from like bar to bar or going to the casino. So just making sure that we're safe out there. Um, and then, you know, a whistle. Uh, so that you can blow the whistle to call for help uh, in case it's too cold or you're too weak to yell. Um, so it's like a pretty intense gear list, which looks like very intimidating when you start reading it because it's all just for your safety and to make sure that you're not, you know, you're not going to get extremely hurt out there. Yeah. Um, so the whole thing is on like a, on snowmobile trail, which um, it's, like my experience on anything other than beautifully groomed uh, trail is like it's really really difficult to to pedal through. Um, is, is that kind of the experience mm -hmm. it was up there, um, or was it pretty hard packed? It was kind of sugary, um, so it was cold enough to where a lot of the moisture in the snow instead of packing it perfectly the moisture was kind of gone. So it, it wasn't packing super duper firm. I wouldn't say it was like a, like a white highway. Um, but yeah, sometimes out there it gets really mushy. The snowmobiles can churn it up a lot. So you'll wind up dropping pressure to try to keep a little bit better traction and it might be slow going. Um, 
this year with the snow kind of being sugary, like I had pretty firm pressure in my tires. Um, they were pretty hard. Uh, but it's still, I think just with the extreme cold made for a little bit slower riding conditions. Um, there have been years like the year that I set the course record, the temperature was absolutely perfect. Humidity was perfect. The snow was just like super firm and hard pack. Um, the last 25 miles stretch, uh, from Wakeham up Hill to the casino does see a lot more snowmobile traffic. So that section was a lot mushier, um, kind of like mashed potatoes, but, um, yeah, it's, it's funny because it's sometimes the, the trail is perfect and you start riding, you know, in somebody else's tire mark and it's fast rolling. And then all of a sudden some snow machines come through and they turn it all up. And then you're left struggling until you can find another tire tread to kind of hang on to. Um, and then they also have a snowmobile groomer out there, which is like this big, very scary looking um, giant tractor like machine with bright lights. <laughs> you usually come across those at like 1am, 2am. <laughs> kind of looks like a UFO at first. It's very loud. Um, so you'll be riding, you know, a very firm trail the groomer will go past and everything will get softer. And um, this year it was really cool because, um, you know, your first tracks after riding past where the groomer came. Um, and so you can kind of start to gauge how far ahead of you somebody else is based upon like when you start to see their tracks again, um, like when this, the groomer may have passed them. But a really cool thing that we saw this year um, or that I saw while I was by myself in the dark, um, huge wolf prints oh. <laughs> so like this huge wolf was like walking in the snowmobile trail walking after the people riding ahead of me um and it was huge it was like the size of the palm of my hand oh like my it was a very big paw print and he was there for a while um which was pretty wild uh, and i think definitely like that creature could see me and it would have been pretty neat to see them but like i'll never see a wolf out there they are so elusive um but it was just like really kind of magical and cool to be like the first tracks um and then to look over and see like these big wolf, wolf friends. um so that is kind of funny but then like an hour after the groomer goes past like the trail does firm up so like once it sets it becomes very fast okay it's just kind of that waiting period before it does that that's that's incredible um you mentioned like riding in the dark um riding by yourself in the dark uh some experiences at 1 or 2 a.m uh, so how how many hours were you out there jill uh 26 hours and eight minutes Good. is what it took this year um to finish from supported um and then how many hours were you riding by yourself? Do you do you have an idea? Pretty pretty much until I got to the third checkpoint at mile 110. Um, like I did not, I rode a little bit with a group right at the start. The first 35 miles is relatively flat. And so it's pretty easy to hang on to a wheel. But I... Um, I went into it like very adamantly that I was going to ride at my own pace because I was afraid 
caught up in, in the race and I was afraid of getting too sweaty. Um, so I just kind of watched the group pedal away. Um, it was maybe like 10 miles in. Um, so yeah, like I would say about a hundred miles by myself. Um, like occasionally you come across another rider. Um, my friend Jure was out there. He finished the race supported. Um, so I kind of chatted with him and rode with him for a hot minute and then just let him ride away. Um, I think that was the biggest thing is you can start riding with a supported racer, but then if you do get to a checkpoint, they are allowed to go inside, which is just like very sad <laughs> to like watch your friend go inside. <laughs> so I kind of purposely just kind of stuck by myself out there um, and just enjoyed the ride uh, and enjoyed the view. It was really sparkly and it was super sunny out. Um, so everything kind of had like a golden hue to it. Uh, and which is funny because it was so cold, like it looked like it should have been warm and um, at least the sun was out. That was kind of neat. Yeah. Um, how are you consuming water and calories? I mean, you said there, there's some fires on the, or is there only one fire on one of the checkpoints or each checkpoint you could maybe warm up at a fire, but are you stopping to eat or are you doing that on the ride i mean I, I feel like i'd be afraid to stop too long and get too cold yeah um i did have to stop to eat this year normally i can eat and drink as i ride uh but because of the cold i had this ridiculous um thing called a nose hat on my face <laughs> so, <laughs> so the nose hat covers like the bridge of your nose your nose and your cheekbones um and it helps to keep them safe from the wind and from the cold. So I kind of think I look um, like a wrestler when I wear it. And then I've got like another buff that covers my chin and kind of goes up to the bottom of the nose hat. And then I, I wear a build. Um, the flame caster is a hat that 45 North makes. And it's got like wind panels on the ears and on the forehead. And then it's got a bill and it's all merino wool. Um, so I bundle up. Uh, which is great because it keeps my face warm, but I don't want to risk leaving any part of my face uncovered. So I didn't do a lot of eating and drinking while riding because I didn't want to accidentally leave a part of my face uncovered. So I would stop. Um, I carried some uh, 1,000 milliliter uh, GSI microlite thermoses. Um, so those things kept my water like very hot and they were attached in oveja negra uh, pork bags on my bike so i'd stop um, and pull those out if i needed to but i also carried a thermos on my handlebars in a feed bag and so i would it was a flip top so i would drink from that thermos kind of my hot liquid with some calories in it um or grab my snacks everything was freezing so like normally peanut butter and jelly sandwiches they freeze to an extent and you can still eat them and it's just kind of cold in your mouth like frozen and like frozen uncrustable but because of the cold my peanut butter and jellies were like so solid <laughs> so i would take like <laughs> so i'd take like a cold bite and let it kind of thaw in my mouth and then i chew it and eat it um some of the food items i made or i brought with so like i had some like flaky pastries those froze so weird like the flaky pastry kind of like choked me up because like i would inhale it kind of like powdered sugar <laughs> but then it would be like a frozen chunk too <laughs> that wasn't a great thing to eat um 
but yeah, normally I'll, I'll dump a handful of food in my mouth and then hop back on the bike and start pedaling and kind of chew it as I, as I go. Um, but yeah, you've got to make sure that you're putting your water in protected areas on your bike because you don't want it to freeze. And a lot of people use like hydration packs and they'll wear them underneath like a layer, like underneath a jacket or close to their body and their body heat will keep that water from freezing. Mm-hmm. But what I found with hydration packs is it's just really hard for me to regular, regulate my temperature. I get really sweaty underneath, like on my back. And so I've just gone to using insulated thermoses while riding, even though it's, you know, inconvenient and slows you down. Um, it's just kind of the most surefire way for me. Yeah, man. Um, so it sounds like, I don't know, as you're like explaining everything and just explaining your experience, um, you know, even the, even the, like the mental up and down of it all, like that's something that you have gone through and realized you can't go by a checkpoint with a buddy that's going to go into it. So you stay away from riding with your friends. Um, are there, have you, do you feel like you've di- kind of dialed in the mental game as well? Um, just as much of as much as you have dialed in the gear and and everything else? Yeah, I think so. Um, Practicing the mental game for me is, is really, really big. Um, And I think that's one of the kind of one of the powers that I've got uh, that makes me pretty decent at riding my fat bike in the winter or just like any endurance event. Um, Like, being able to kind of roll with the punches, be flexible. Uh, I think through all the different scenarios. So like if my bike were to break, how would I fix it? Uh, If it gets really cold, how would I make myself warmer? Um, I actually stopped along the route and started a little fire and had to melt some snow before the third checkpoint. Um, And just knowing that I'm, pretty okay at starting fires or knowing that I've done things before makes it more accessible or I don't know more obtainable for me um so like on a lot of like bike rides as I'm practicing or training for something like this um we'll go for a bike ride and we'll start a fire um I'll practice melting snow I'll practice fixing a flat um, working on my bike and and that kind of gives me like this like mental confidence to go out there and, and do it. Um, just because I, I know at times I'm going to get lonely or I'm going to get in my head and it's going to get dark. Um, and so I just kind of try to fight it by repeating positive things in my head, um, by envisioning myself like getting to the end, um, and just being okay with, with the fact that things are going to suck out there for a hot minute Yeah, <laughs> and then it'll be all right. So, <laughs> That's, that's great. Um, so, so now you can check it off your list, you know, like you've, you've done the unsupported arrowhead one thirty five. Is there anything else about that, that we're missing or that an experience or something else about that specific day that, uh, that, that you want to talk about? Oh, I'm not, I don't know. It's hard because it's like 135 miles and 26 hours and so much stuff happens out there, which is, 
I think one of the reasons why I would encourage other people to try to do something like this, because like, you can hear all these stories all day long and, and try to live vicariously through it. Um, but being able to experience it for yourself, it's kind of really beautiful. Um, and just like, yeah, all, all of the ups and downs, um, the cold, riding through the dark, seeing animal footprints, um, coming across the groomer and having to get off of the entire trail. Uh, it's all pretty wild stuff. Um, and then there's like this great community of people out there too, like the volunteers that want to take care of you at the checkpoint. Um, it, I don't know. It's such a, such a cool animal. And it's really funny because we, uh, Jake, Evan and I all finished and we were like, unsupported, never again. <laughs> like we did it. Like, we're good. We'll be back in the supported category now. But um, like every time I talk about it, I kind of start romanticizing again about the unsupported category. So we'll see. I don't know. I think it's it's still too soon to say if I'm going to do unsupported next time. Um, it'd be really nice to eat those grilled cheeses, <laughs> grilled cheeses that my Lord does. <laughs> but I was really thankful. Um, the Embark Maple checkpoint at mile 110. Um being able to warm up next to that fire was pretty incredible. So I was really glad that that was there. Um, when I had stopped to try to make my own fire, all the wood was just like, it had so much moisture in it that was so frozen that it was really hard to get a fire started myself. Um, and I had like the saddest little fire. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was only like 10 miles away from Embark, but it was like, I needed yeah. it. Like I needed a little bit of a, um, so that was really funny. Uh, the Embark people too, like they were um, very, very sweet and um, very encouraging and cheering, cheering us on a lot. But I don't think they realized um, they put like 16 signs out before their checkpoint. And so like for miles before the checkpoint, you're reading these signs. They had put like a Robert Frost poem, like a couple lines on every sign. <laughs> So, like, normally when you're racing, like, you see a sign and you think, cool, I'm, like, half a mile away from the checkpoint or I'm close to the checkpoint. And instead, it was, like, miles of 16 signs. And by the time I was getting to the last couple of signs, I, like, wanted to pull them out of the ground and, like, stomp on them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, I mean, it's there is a lot of, like, mind madness out there. Um there is a, like a lot of stuff that kind of tricks your brain. Um, I don't know. That's a really long rant of, of me. Uh, I don't no, know. It's... Trying to. No, it's great. I'm trying to talk into doing a winter ultra. Oh, okay. You have the fat bike. <laughs> I, I think I, I don't know. I need to like ease into it a little bit, but <laughs> it does sound, I mean, it sounds like a, such a unique experience and such a unique bike experience and so different than mm -hmm. how different a even like an ultra distance gravel race or mountain bike race versus uh, a cold weather ultra distance race or event yeah. um, just such a different experience and um, a whole other world for sure um, so Jill like now you have this checked off the list um, you have other arrowhead experiences checked off the list. I did a rod. Um, you finished, um, you won, uh, you have like these major, major things that you've done. 
um, are there are there things that are you're looking at in the similar category or different categories that you're like, okay, now I'd love to do this. <laughs> I really want to go back to Alaska and do the Southern Iditarod Trail. Um, I think that would be really great to you know revisit areas that I got to ride through and see how they're different. Um, the same way that Arrowhead is different every year, I know the Iditarod Trail is as well. Um, I'd also love to go do this. You said no, 100. Um, there's this big long list of all these other winter ultras and being able to explore them and and ride them. I would love to do that. Um, I also really want to. Um, I'd love to ride the UP 200 course. Um, which is a sled dog yeah. uh, course up in the U. Um, riding along the Bear Grease route. I know this year um, a couple of friends rode it on their fat bikes and volunteered along the way. And doing something like that would be really cool. Um, and there's just so many places that you can ride in the winter um, because everything freezes. All the swamps freeze up. You can put in a trail anywhere, basically, in the snow. Um I don't know. There's just a lot to kind of explore out there. So uh, revisiting Iditarod, I think, is on the list. Hopefully 2025. I think that's the next time they'll be doing the southern route. They alternate every year. Um, and I just don't have my stuff together this year to go out and do it. But I am really excited to watch Leah Groon. Um, she is going all the way to Nome. And so uh, they'll be going off at the end of this month. We'll be able to watch their track leaders, and I think that's going to be a really cool experience. Um, yeah, we just need we need more winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I want it all. <laughs> well, cool. I mean, I, I'm I'm glad that there's. I I don't know enough about the uh, winter ultra community, I guess, and um, so I'm glad to hear that there are still still some things that you are are looking to accomplish and. Uh, that's that's it's super exciting and um man what a what a what an accomplishment um for anyone that like went out to arrowhead or or you know taking taking on things like you know this weekend polar roll i mean it's a it's a it's a big it's a i don't know it 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 takes a lot to even get there and then um take it on so Jill, you are a rock star and uh, I, I'm super impressed with everything you do. And um, I think as we were talking earlier, uh, some people had mentioned that they'd love to hear more about Arrowhead and your experience. So I appreciate your time and being once again on the podcast to talk all about this. And uh, good luck at Polar Roll this weekend or this week, I guess. It's not the Thank weekend. You. It's It'll be during the week. Uh, yeah, Monday the twentieth. Um, I guess that's the thing that I want to tackle next. I want to finish. I want to finish polar roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like small steps. Like next week, I want to do yeah. polar roll. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be um, it'll be interesting for sure. Um, and I love being on the podcast. And I hope that um, whether it's myself or one of the other people who are going off to do the polar roll ultra, um, it would be great to hear. Um, a show on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, winter's not over. I keep thinking, I mean, I look outside and there's no snow here, although we might get some today. Um, and my mind is going to spring races, you know, like it's, it's like that time of year. Um, 
but I know. I just. What's up? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I just, I. Oh, I was going to. I know that. Um, <laughs> I, but I know that like, there are still these things like, like Polaroid in the distance. And then I did a rod. Um, there, there's still more winter to be had. Absolutely. Um, I just, my new salsa warbird just arrived mm. and is getting up. And I am so excited for mid South and for Barry Roubaix and just thinking gravel and shorts and, I mean, maybe shorts, maybe, maybe not shorts. Very, yeah, um, I, do- I doubt yeah. it. Even even Mid-South is cold, too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so much warmer compared to Arrowhead. True, it'll be like, um, so yeah, it'll it'll be like uh, 60 degrees warmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seeing the sunshine and the green grass outside makes it hard to like stay in winter mode. But I'm very excited to um, get a little bit more winter in the UP. Uh, coming up here soon and and excited to watch the, the track leaders um i did a rod race that would be great are there'll be track leaders for uh polaroid ultra right yep yep so you'll be able to, to watch our little dot great fantastic well thank you again and good luck again and um i guess we'll stay tuned to uh figure out how you do at, at Polaroid. Thank you. The Dirty Chain Podcast is a Michigan Midpack Media production in partnership with KOM Cycling, the source for your bike accessories and necessities. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast. Email dirtychainpodcast at gmail.com. If you are enjoying the podcast, Please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen. Audio editing and original music by myself, Trevor Gibney. A huge thank you to Jill Martindale for joining us once again on the podcast to talk all about Arrowhead 135. And thank you all for listening to the Dirty Chain Podcast. And as always, keep your chain clean, but get your chain dirty. We will see you in the mid-pack. I can't believe you said inflated mittens. I that's my favorite thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought I said insulated, but I must have mumbled it or something. That's super funny. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you may have said insulated, actually. Like insulated and inf- I don't insula- I may have just heard inflated. So maybe I'm the dummy. I don't know. I, I no, I don't know. I probably said inflated. Um I'm very excited that you've got it recorded so you can <laughs> go back and listen. <laughs>